Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. In this episode, I'm talking to two livestock specialists from Agri, Ben Lowe, National Forage Product Manager, and Emma Gatehouse, Livestock Product Manager. Today, we'll be focusing in on livestock production, and in uncertain times, how can farmers improve productivity that in turn leads to a better noticeable improved gross margin? So firstly, good morning to you both. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Well, good morning to you. And it's, uh, it's great to have you on, uh, on Tramlines. So, Ben, can I start with you and just, just understand a bit about you? So tell me uh, really a little bit about your background in farming. Um, so my family uh, used to farm up in the Yorkshire Dales. Uh, my grandparents used to, uh, were the last people to farm uh, as mixed farmers up in the Yorkshire Dales in my family. Um, so I'm sort of the, the first one to, to pick the mantle back up, so to speak. Um, so I work up, uh, sorry, grew up working on uh, large scale dairy farms uh, in the Cheshire Plains um, and then traveled around New Zealand working on farms there and then came back and started a career um, somehow within the seed industry. Um, so as you say, I'm the National Forage Product Manager for Agri now, um, but outside of that, um, we also farm sheep at home uh, myself now. So at any one time we'll be running around about 120 to 140 um, head of sheep at home, um, pedigree texels on, a, on an embryo uh, implant based system. Oh, fantastic. And actually, I picked this up from a lot of uh, folk that work uh, within Agri is that a lot of you do have this real connection within farming or, in fact, are actually practically farming as well. And Emma, uh, that's the case with your good self as well, isn't it? Yeah, that is. I'm a mixed family farm in South Shropshire, brought up um, helping out constantly and still am now with all the aspects of farming life. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So you both really understand the pressures facing livestock farmers at at this time, I guess. So let's ask that question. You know, what are the key issues facing livestock producers, whether dairy, beef and sheep at the moment? What what do you think those issues are, Ben? Um, well, without a doubt, I mean, at the moment, you know, there is a lot of concern, a lot of conversation around about increasing uh, input costs. Um, but at the same time, with in the face of those increased uh, input costs maintaining but also enhancing still the performance of livestock that is produced on farms um you know we not only need to be mindful that um the cost of production uh is is maintained or at least harnessed uh, as best as we possibly can um but the, the returns for those in terms of animal uh, performance uh, farm overall performance is maintained um but of course we're an industry that doesn't stand still um, so, you know, we need to have that progression in performance in, in the face of, of inco- increased uh, input costs, without a doubt. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's arable or livestock farming, that, that uncertainty with where input costs are, are going is, is, is a real concern, isn't it? On the other hand, in some sectors, we're seeing the possibility of, of good uh, prices for our produce at the end of the day as well, aren't we? Uh, Emma, thinking about your family farm, what, what is it that really is a key concern at the moment? As Ben just said, it's the increased costs at the moment. Um, feed prices are through the roof. At the moment, sheep prices are good, but it's all relative. Buying it back in replacement stock is increasing. It, it, it's just hard times out there for everyone. Um, and for us as a company to try and make sure that it all stacks up for everyone, it, it's hard going. So um, 
increased input costs and and um, farm staffing is an issue at the moment. It's getting good staff to help on farm, really. So it's a, it is a, a wide range of issues and concerns, isn't it? But I'm hearing input costs, replacement stock, but also that cost of labour as well, which I, I know, Ben, you've mentioned before. So, you know, what what where does a farmer start in terms of trying to mitigate these risks and create a a better outcome for their individual enterprise where where do you think they should start Ben? I mean without a doubt you know the first thing to to do is is as ever um, it's sort of something that I've always done is is try and look for the silver lining in any grey cloud Um, and it's to understand that you know that grey cloud needs to be looked at as an individual level Um, so start looking at but what we're currently doing and why um, and how that could possibly be improved upon. Um, and the, you know, the good news is, and the beauty of all this is, is actually some of the key fundamental changes and improvements that we're seeing um, in terms of efficiency, uh, cost of inputs, uh, return uh, on investment of, of inputs, is that quite often it's just simple changes that can be made. Um, we're not looking to, to discuss potentially reinventing the wheel or, or totally um, you know, turning a, a farm business upside down on its head. It's just looking at these, uh, you know, small things that can make massive, massive differences. So it, it really is the detail that's going to help make a big difference at the end of the day, turning that grey cloud, as you say, into a, into a, a, a bit of sunshine. Yeah. And, you know, Emma, from your point of view, where, where do you think farmers can start to think about mitigating some of these risks and, and that uncertainty? Talking to people, really. It's talking to experts like Ben, myself, and people that are dealing with other people within the industry daily. We are getting packed with knowledge, hopefully, to help support farmers and people out on the floor, really. Um, so it's just talking, really. I think it is it's a good start, would help everyone, really. Yeah, and uh, talking is also a, a problem shared, isn't it? And uh, you, you never know. Other people have that expertise and, and some good ideas. So, Ben, from your point of view and thinking about forage, how and where does a farmer start to make changes in their forage production on farm, which is obviously a key, uh, a key element of livestock production? W- where would you start there? Well, I think we, we would basically assess um, what the the grower or the farmer is actually looking to achieve, uh, the system that they're based on, the other forage is that they're looking to uh, produce to be part of a a ration or or the basis for the the nutrition for their uh, farm business. Um, And just again, taking it back to to the basics. So we're looking at, you know, sward uh, performance. You know, if we're talking about potentially concerns about in- increases in, in fertilizer costs and things like that, um, well, actually, how much of the f- any fertilizer inputs or nutrition inputs are your swords actually utilizing? Um, you know, we know in, in some instances, some very long term swords can only utilize perhaps, you know, 25 to 30% of, of nutrition that is applied. Um, so, are we better looking at doing a bit of rejuvenation of, of the lays on the farm to actually, you know, utilize more of the fertilizer or nutrition that's applied, potentially resulting in, in using less? Um, are we looking at, you know, producing protein from home? Um, obviously, we know that a lot of protein uh, for, for the UK is, is often imported. Um, so, you know, not only is, is producing protein at home 
good straight away for uh, livestock that it's, is produced on the farm, but also it has this knock-on effect in terms of you know sustainability, environmental benefits, um, and so forth and so forth. So um, you know we're really looking at focusing and of, of getting the much out as, as we possibly can from from a single farm uh, and and what they have available to them. Sure, and just to create a bit of a challenge here, Ben, with a, with a question for you. You know, throughout all of my years in farming, uh, you know, the talk has always been, yes, you've got to get more out of your grassland. You know, you've got to focus on that grassland. I mean, haven't we heard all of this before, or is this now even more relevant? Yeah, no, we 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 have without a doubt. There's always been a lot of conversation about getting more out of grassland, um, but I think this is this is the time now um, where the cards are on the table, and and you know we really need to, to have a look in the mirror and, and see is you know is this what we're actually doing, or is it just that we're talking about it um, in many ways, um, and being open and honest and quantifying what what we actually have. Um, you know, are you? looking at you know what you think is a relatively good grass yield compared to other fields on the farm um whereas actually that good grass yield can still be improved and, and that quality improved upon uh, even more so um you know we see it from our breeders and suppliers we we produce and grow all uh, or majority of the grass seed that goes into our mixtures the de- development in the varieties year on year is 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 tremendous um you know whether that be through longevity whether that be through quality whether that be through overall yield um, so even if we've, you know, updated five or six years ago, we've done a lot of reseeding, improvements have, have been made even since then in what is a relatively short, um, you know, space of time within the industry. Yeah, and I think that's a very fair answer you've given there to that uh, question that I posed to you, which is, you know, you've really got to stop and have a look and, and seek that great advice that you spoke about, Emma. Emma, do you, do you think that farmers are looking at their grass lays closely enough? No, I don't think they are. Um, as Ben said, it's looking at the quality. The, the quality is key, the protein's in there. And if you actually ask the majority of farmers out there, the knowledge of what is in their lay, what clovers, et cetera, are in there, they probably really don't know. It's been down for, as Ben said, probably many, many years. And it's knowing when you need to reseed and when you need to look at what you've got. So sampling is the best key to see what protein levels are in that grass and the goodness of the soil. Yeah, very good points made. So we're not just talking about grass here, are we, in terms of about, you know, looking at homegrown forage. So some of the alternative crops, Ben, what, what could they be? So, yeah, as you say, Tony, I mean, there's, there's lots of alternatives out there. Um, I think we have to be a little bit conscious at times to, to try and keep them narrowed down to what's actually relevant. Um, you know, it, it's always easy and, and very handy to come out with something totally off the wall, creates a lot of discussion, a lot of conversation, a few articles here and there, whereas actually it's, it's just not necessarily always fit for purpose and, and relevant to the majority of, of the UK uh, market, really. Um, but without a doubt, you know, advances in the likes of lupins, and we're doing a lot of work on lupins at the moment. Um, I personally have been involved with um, growing the likes of lupins and soya uh, on, on a commercial level when I was still on farm. Um, and yeah, the idea, the principle was there, um, but it realistically, um, we always struggled with relative maturity uh, of, of, the, uh, of the beans that were produced to get the protein um, available. Um, whereas now, again, through continuing our trial work, our R&D within Agri, um, keeping a, a weathered eye on the on outside of the box in many ways, 
and we have identified a couple of, of varieties of lupins, one in particular um, that is performing very, very well um, for the UK. Um, good levels of maturity um, and, you know, opening, opening doors. Um, but, you know, that's just one, one uh, you know, um, alternative there but we we still have many more out there to to look at whether it be clovers as, as emma says you know red clovers in particular lucerne is very popular as well um again many uh myths and misconceptions around lucerne in many ways um but you know an absolutely phenomenal feed um to be grown um when looking at feeding livestock yeah and in the the discussion we had actually before today uh there was the suggestion that actually sometimes working with a an arable farmer local to you can have real benefits in growing some of these uh, these other crops. Um, how, how does that work? Um, well, without a doubt, I mean, we've, we've seen it out in some years out of necessity more than anything else. And um, we've seen it when we've had uh, wet winters where, you know, cereal crops have been um, damaged or not even established. And we've seen it where neighbouring livestock farmers have had a tough time getting maize off, at, you know, similar sort of establishment time as the arable farmer would be. Um, so, you know, we've got opportunity here where an arable farmer is requiring a, a spring drilled crop um, and the benefits that come from that are highlighted when, you know, we're seeing 20, 30, 40 percent more yield for maize crops when the livestock farmer works alongside the arable farmer. Um, you know, I think there's huge opportunity um, for uh, progression of, of arable and livestock businesses working side by side. And as, of course, we've seen arable farms uh, and, and enterprises over the last few years starting to actually require and, and want livestock, uh, you know, in, integrated within their in their rotations. Um, so, you know, in many cases, it, it is it's a win win for, for both parties in many ways. And talking of a win-win, um, Emma, from a farmer's perspective, how can Agri help? Okay, so any livestock agronomist, uh, they have links into the seed, fertiliser and the livestock department. Like Ben and I are here to support um, all agronomists and everyone within Agri. Um, we produce the livestock product catalogue, which is quite a easy reading in depth, not quite like an Argos catalogue, but it, it, it gives you a broad area um, of what, what's available from Agri, really. And tell us a bit more about where Riser has been really helpful. Yeah, we've had uh, Riser um, on a local farm just outside of South Shropshire that's looked at um, what's in the ground, basically. So when we're looking at new grass lays where Ben's involved in, we can hopefully find the right lay. You can look at the mineral level in the ground. So when we're also substituting with bucket feeding, we can help um, the farmer get the best from the ground. And Ben, it sounds like the detail is absolutely crucial here. Yeah, w without a doubt. I mean, you know, it, it's it's one of the biggest talking points is is you know from from our livestock farmers is customers is around uh, what they're currently doing, how they take things forward. Um, you know, conversations around as we've already discussed, looking at producing more homegrown protein, uh, increasing the quality of of the forages that they're and, and reliability of the forages that they're producing on an annual basis. Um, and it is, it is just down to that, that, uh, you know, that attention to detail. Um, and, and as Emma says, you know, in, in many circumstances, you know, forage, forage yields of, of any crop um, and quality, they can quite often also be 
um, analyzed on a, on a whole farm level. Um, you know, so instead of looking at each individual field and, and seeing how they're performing against each other, um, quite often it's, you know, it's only analyzed once the whole farm has been, has been mown, picked up and, and clamped, but then the clamp is, is analyzed. And of course, you're only actually sampling a certain section of that farm, depending on what fields in it, where um, we're starting to see, you know, a lot of a lot of the, the big wins in terms of actually taking it down to a field level, never mind a farm level, but down to a field level, looking at what each individual field is requiring, um, what it's short of, what it may be uh, lacking in, and, and only addressing those issues where, where required field by field. Sure. And all of this attention to detail and looking at reducing some of the input costs such as fertiliser, uh, reducing some of the fuel costs in terms of maybe travelling on that ground as frequently as maybe you need to, it all helps with the balance in terms of that environmental balance and towards net zero and achieving, you know, within that Green Horizons umbrella. So this all helps towards that aim as well, doesn't it? Massively, massively, without a doubt. I mean, it, it all goes hand in hand and, and you can't have one without the other. Um, and and like I say, you know, in, in many instances, as, as Emma says, you know, we have individuals throughout the business, um, you know, so that we that we also lean on uh, internally as well as you know external um you know requirements there so you know when it is that a, a farm business comes to us and, and says look you know we want to improve on this we want to try and develop here um quite often it's it's not just that one individual who answers those questions for you you know we will come together as a as as agri and we will answer you know those questions and and give help and support um from all the individual strengths within the business um, and by having that approach, you know, you're very much bringing in all the, the key parts of Agri and, and getting the best from, from what we have to offer um, to help take the business forward. Yeah, great news indeed. So to finish off our podcast, because unfortunately time is limiting and we could talk to you too for a lot longer, I'm, I'm sure. What would be your top tip that you'd like listeners today to take away and think about and even maybe take action upon so let's start with you emma what would be your top tip speak to speak to agronomists speak to agri we've got plenty of people within the company as ben said that can help and support and if we are struggling we have got outside expertise that we can pull on to help help improve everyone's businesses and ben for you what would be your top tip to listeners today don't be afraid to uh, ask the question. Um, you know, in, in many you know circumstances, we have it where, you know, it, it just may be down to a, a personal thing where, you know, it's easier just to keep going as, as you normally are. But no, you know, ask the question. There isn't anything as such as a daft question. You know, we have, you know, options available to us. We have the full master lays range. We have, you know, exclusive maize varieties that are selected through, you know, significant R&D work that we do, um, you know, other forage alternatives, uh, access to, to proteins, as we say, um, and, you know, a full support through Agri to, to answer uh, and give solutions to any of those questions that, that you may have, um, or in many cases, not actually realise that you have, um, you know, when, when you start boring down into um, where you want to take things forward and, and develop for the future. Well, thank you, Ben and Emma, for those really important top tips on how, with some attention to detail, there is a real opportunity to improve the performance of any livestock enterprise during these difficult times. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. 
If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.